the soul, I would define the soul um, in a few different ways. The first way I would describe it is the soul is the vehicle or a series of vehicles for the con for consciousness. Um, the physical body should be part of the soul. And if you treat your physical body as a temple, then your physical body is the most dense part of your soul because it's physical. I can't just push right through it. But this body, what does it do? It carries consciousness through space from a point of, from like a point of per perspective. Now, consciousness transcends this body. And I've had experiences in consciousness, right? In the state, my state of consciousness that has transcended my five senses and has transcended this body. Welcome to the Sacred Soul Podcast. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is so sacred. I'm your host, Vanessa Soul. Hi, dear soul. I have a few questions for you. Are you aware that you have a purpose on this planet? Are you willing to embark on a journey that will equip you with the inner knowing, inspiration, clarity, and confidence to put your medicine or message out into the world? What are you capable of when you receive guidance, tools for execution and implementation and accountability for consistency? If you're ready to tap into more of your untapped potential, there is a community ready for you. Join us in the Soul Purpose Powerhouse community, which has just recently launched January 2024. Expand into your purpose. It is an online community led by me. Check out the link in the description to sign up. I can't wait to meet you there. Much love. I am honored to introduce to you a really dear friend of mine, Reed Wasser. Reed has over 25 years of experience studying and teaching techniques for the evolution of consciousness. Reed recently launched a wellness sanctuary in Long Beach, California called Human Eon, where he teaches breathwork, meditation, Wim Hof method, caporia, and other techniques. Reed has a passion for esoteric philosophy and art. He is also a creative director of House of Eons, a record label and a festival company. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. Reed Wasser, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. It's always good to connect with you. And I just want to let people know, you and I crossed paths in, during COVID, uh, Clubhouse. If anybody remembers that app, it was such it's such an interesting thing. People are like, oh my God, Clubhouse was so big for a while. And then you didn't hear anything about it for a while also, like right after the thick of COVID kind of passed, but it is like an online chat app and we made the most of it. We had, we had a Wim Hof um, room or I spontaneously started a cold shower room. Cause that's something that was helping me get through the thick of COVID in 2020. And, um, and Reed is a Wim Hof instructor. And I think just word got around on the app that someone's hosting like a cold shower room or chat room. And they talk about doing cold showers every morning. And then you came in uh, a, a couple times and then you became part of our panel and one of our experts because you're a Wim Hof instructor. 
But besides the practical side of how we got connected through those conversations, you and I really had a special bond because we would just rift off of each other. And then you would, you would really provide deep conversation in, in a chat room that was just about to be, or just supposed to be about cold showers. And so I always remember those memories. It holds a special place in my heart to know that we were offering so much context and insight and inspiration to people who were really struggling with the restrictions of COVID and how the world was shifting at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, Miles brought me into it. Miles Lucas, who's who was in my graduating Wim Hof Method instructors uh, course a couple of years. I love Miles. I miss him too. He's great. Yeah, he's a great guy. Good friend of yeah. mine. Um, and yeah, he was like, you know, you should get on here and speak, you know, try it out and see. And um, it was a great, it was a great room. It was a great thing to wake up to. I mean, 7 a.m. chats um, to get you motivated for a cold shower. I mean, it's a cold shower is a simple thing, but to me, it's like a gateway into a whole other like world, a whole other dimension. It's cold a portal. It is. Yeah. I realized that Reed, I was, I was thinking back to like my own personal journey. I wasn't really that confident in speaking before club. I don't know if you knew that, but I this no the reason why I have this podcast is probably because of that random clubhouse, you know, cold shower room that I started. I think I'm guessing <laughs> that, that, that gave you, I had no idea. I thought that you were a public speaker. I thought it was your thing. Really? But, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I think it was the combination. And guys, just for context, like I, I was going through a rough time, like everyone was, right? And it was that January of 2021, and someone told me to start taking cold showers, and I did. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I need support. I'm taking cold showers. I need to start a, a room where I tell people what I'm doing, and they hop on the bandwagon if they want. And I knew about Wim Hof, but I didn't think it was going to become... I didn't think we were going to bring that much Wim Hof stuff in, which I'm glad we did because it gives so much structure and he's already paved the way for all this info. And, uh, and the reason why I say it's a portal read is because yes, the, the platform clubhouse, you know, you can, if anyone doesn't know, you can just start these chats and you could schedule them and people just join in and it's not really video. It's mostly audio. And, um, and because I knew I had a topic to talk about that gave me the confidence and I was inspired because I felt the impact that those cold showers were having on me, that stress and that depression that I was feeling early 2021 was starting to melt away very quickly. And then I started some of my own struggles started to melt away along with the cold shower. So I was just bringing all the inspiration and then you and, and Miles and Marie and our whole crew of Wim Hof instructors that we had just offered a lot of information. So yeah, good times. And you know, I think that that clubhouse room, cold shower club helped a lot of people. I, a think, lot. It, I think it helped a lot of people. It we had 3000 people in that club. 3000 and it introduced people who would never have gotten into a cold shower to like the, I mean, if people don't know by now, the benefits the return on investment for a, a cold shower in the morning is, is incredible. For yeah. The there's nothing like it and yeah. it costs you nothing. Exactly. And all you have to do is get in. Yeah. You know, and breathe real initial. I call it like initiatic impulse. It's the, um, it, it is, it, it, it flexes your will to take the step to do something that is difficult. And that right there is like, 
it's invaluable. And mm. often, I think is also just a wonderful thing. So yeah, well, I'm and a we, instructor. That's why I was in the room. I really think that it helps people. You know. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, and I don't think I really realized in the moment how much it was a staple for some people, and or how much it was actually helping. But I look back now, and you know, you never know what people's struggles are, and and obviously depression or feeling stuck or the stress and anxiety was a big theme for a lot of us during the height of COVID, even if that wasn't like your normal vibration. And then there were people who were already struggling with that stuff before COVID rolled around, right? Now it's just another layer. And so we helped, and it was first thing in the morning. So I felt like it offered a lot of inspiration and it offered a tool that people can do on their own. And then they could see, they could start to get more into their own energy and less into the energy of the news, less into the energy of their neighbor, less into the energy of whatever else is like haunting them. And I think that was really powerful within itself. We need to reincorporate shock back into our lives. We've become comfortable. We've devolved because of comfort as a species uh, in our current comfortable society where we depend on external things um, to, uh, you know, bring about what we perceive as well-being or feeling good. Um, and when you do a cold shower it or cold plunge or anything that brings about some level of healthy shock, it snaps you out of yourself. It changes your state. It resets your state of consciousness. And the state of consciousness is our, the way our thoughts process, our moods, physical body, the whole thing. And to be able to do that, um, you know, it gives people freedom to actually choose to respond to what they're dealing with in life instead of reacting all the time. And I mean, I'm dealing with that now. I'm grieving. My dog passed away um, in oh, no. September. And, uh, and it's like, Grief is a real teacher. Death is a deep, it's one of the greatest, most profound teachers in life that bring us to, um, you know, the profound reality that nobody's getting out of here alive. And um, oftentimes we get stuck in grieving. We get stuck in the past. We get stuck in loss. We get stuck and overwhelmed by the pain. And, um, being able to have the tools to snap us out of ourselves, even if it's just for a moment or for a couple hours is, I mean, it's true relief. It's true freedom. Um, because when we're not stuck in a depressive state, I mean, it's, oh, I think it's good to grieve. I think it's good to process negative emotions, loss, um, pain, whatever it is that we're dealing with um, sincerely, rather than just like, you know, try to buffer it over with a bunch of practices or or, or philosophies or abstractions. Um, but taking a cold shower, taking a cold plunge, um, practice it, doing these types of ancient practices. I mean, I think cold is one of them. Um, it gives us the freedom to respond to what we're dealing with. Um, and I think that, you know, that is optionality, that's choice. Most of the time when we are depressed, we don't feel like we have a choice to get out of it. We don't feel like we have a choice to deal with it in any other way than what is mechanically available to us. Meaning most of us react to our negative feelings 
by narcotizing, by distraction, right? Um, a cold a cold shower simply or a cold plunge brings us back to ourselves. It allows us to have the space to respond to what we're dealing with instead of react. Um, so anyways. Yeah. As you know. Um, yeah. I mean, everything you said is so important because cold plunging is really popular right now for all the benefits, right? Reducing inflammation, maybe some weight loss and, you know, the dopamine boost and all that stuff is fun and it's, it's very necessary. Uh, but you and I, I think why we relate so well to each other is we get the deeper benefit of cold plunging, the spiritual, the consciousness that awakens within you, like your, your consciousness becomes more potent is as soon as you get that shock and, and like the physical body is kind of like, just, you know, it's, it's like reawakened. It's like activated with that, that shock and the consciousness, the spirituality, the, your energy centers, like. Yeah. It shocks you awake. And it's not just, I mean, the physical body is the sounding board of the consciousness hmm. of the emotions and of the mind, right? I mean, in the hermetic traditions, which I'm steeped in, um, and I've been initiated in several, um, the soul, like I like the name of your brand and your podcast, Sacred Soul. Soul in Greek is psyche or CK. Yeah. Psyche is consciousness, soul is consciousness. In the hermetic traditions, consciousness would be embodied in the physical body, the vital body, astral body, mm -hmm. mental body, causal body, five bodies of the soul, or seven, depending on what tradition. And, um, you know, a cold shower, I think is great, or cold plunge is great, because it literally activates awake, you awaken physiologically and psychologically in that moment. And mm -hmm. most people don't experience that. Most of us in society, we're sleeping. We're mechanical. We're getting to our next paycheck, trying to get to work and home from work. We're trying to do the things, survive, 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 go to sleep, wake up, do it again. And we enter into the hypnotic spell um, that, I mean, we can blame society, but really, uh, whether we like it or not, it's our choice. Mm -hmm. And um, when we realize that we have that choice, um, it's a powerful thing. And it's, yeah. it's it's a psychological power. Like you said, it fortifies consciousness. Uh, you know, it's it's um, it gives freedom, freedom to choose. Yes, yes. And do you think it bridges the gap between the subconscious or the unconscious and the conscious mind? Yeah, I mean, bridges the gap. I think that if you frame it with the right mindset, because I know a lot of athletes who use ice baths who don't frame it in sure. the way when I frame it. Right. Um, I know a lot of Wim Hof instructors or Wim Hof method practitioners who just frame it according to the bio uh, the biohacking and the science. And I think that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate the training that I received in Inner Fire, the Wim Hof Method Academy, um, to be able to frame it um, biologically and scientific. Mm. But when you learn how to frame a cold bath or even a sauna or a movement session or a stillness meditation session, um, when you frame it from a state of, or from a, the place of, you know, how is consciousness operating? And what is the point of this, you know, for the sake of consciousness? Um, it changes things 
a little bit. You start to go into the nature of your own mind. You use it as a mirror to see what is actually dwelling in the depths of your subconscious. You start to get to the roots of where suffering comes from, where um, you know the state of integrated consciousness or awakened consciousness, where that comes from. Um, and again, I mean, that comes down to like freedom to choose your state of consciousness. Like my whole thing is like, I, for me, the my definition of a flow state, right? I could say flow state is, you know, we could de define it in so many different ways and it's very popular right now. I'm in a flow state. I'm looking for my flow state. Um, I could frame it biologically and say a flow state is the ability to, to fluctuate between the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. But really for me, a flow state is the ability to choose my overall state of consciousness in the moment. Mm. Shift that state of consciousness to um, reflect and to match the external world that I'm in in any given moment. I call It's like the balance between my inner state and the external event. And um, it unlock, like oftentimes, humans get stuck, we get stuck in a, like a gear, we get stuck in a state of consciousness, whether it's, you know, um, ruminating thoughts, or some sort of negative memory or negative emotions, or just reacting mechanically to whatever's coming um, to us in our job, or while we drive on the freeway, or the way we wake up in the morning. Being able to choose your state of consciousness in any given moment, for me, that's real freedom. Without that, we are slaves to our senses. We're slaves to our desires. We're slaves to trauma. We're slaves to past memories. We're slaves to uh, our hopes about the future. Um, ignoring the present moment, ignoring the profundity of integrated consciousness. So like um, bridging the gap between consciousness and subconscious for me, there's no gap. I don't mm. see a separation. Um, I mean, there's like, there's differences, um, but consciousness can be and should be present both in our quote unquote conscious states. Like right now, we are consciously, voluntarily, you mm -hmm. know, getting a podcast and we're going about our daily lives in the so-called waking state. Um, we can have... Uh, integrated consciousness, for example, in our dreams, which is generally considered a manifestation of the subconscious. Mm -hmm. um, there's an ancient science called dream yoga uh, that's practiced in Tibet and is practiced in some hermetic traditions. And dream yoga is the practice of dreaming consciously, awakening in the astral plane, right? Um, the ancient traditions usually, uh, I mean, they might use different words, but view the dream state as a dimension that's layered within the physical dimension. Um, and uh, Jung called it the collective unconscious. He called it the collective unconscious because there were like universal symbols and universal experiences that everybody experiences in the dream state mm. uh, and like archetypes and, you know, different things. Um, it's possible to like dream consciously, which yeah. is the practice of bridging the gap between. Right. And that's, would you consider that lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming, uh, I would define as um, 
dreaming very like vibrant, very colorful, like as if it was real. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in a lucid dream, they don't know that they're dreaming. They come back to their body in the morning and they're like, whoa, I had this profound dream. But in the dream, they weren't aware that they were dreaming. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because I thought this whole time, I thought that the difference was that lucid dreaming, we we wake up to the fact that we're like, okay, I'm walking on a cloud. This must be a dream. And then we have more control over the dream because we realize we're not in the 3D linear reality. That's what I thought. I would call that like going from lucid dreaming to conscious dreaming. Okay. Projection or actual dream yoga. So there's phases. Uh, um, first is you don't remember anything. It, it's it's just, you know, and a lot of people experience this, like no dreams. I didn't dream last night. Everybody goes into REM sleep. Uh, if you didn't, you would die at some point. But um, a lot of people don't have the memories or it's very foggy or their dreams are very like grayed out. Um, and there's things that you can do to um, like promote more vivid dreaming and bring the memories back to your brain. The next step is lucid dreaming where the dreams become more lucid, more sort of realistic mm. and then you have better memories of it um at a certain point um you can become aware that you're dreaming mm-hmm. a lot of people when they become aware that, that they're dreaming they get shocked and they come back to their body they wake up and they lose it there are ancient practices that have been done i mean for a very long time and now with sleep science you know they're starting to like mix the ancient mystical practices with with um, biohacking with science. And you hear Andrew Huberman talk about it and all that, and it's great. But you can, um, then after astral projection or or like the next step would be like writing the dream, controlling the dream, projecting the dream, going where you want in your dream for long periods of time. If you wanna go to a Tibetan temple, you fly to a Tibetan temple. If you wanna teleport to Venus, you go to Venus. Um, if you want to talk to a loved one, you can go talk to a loved one. Now, what does that all mean? Is it objective or is it subjective? Um, is it just a projection of your own desires or are you receiving a message from the universe? Well, that's the work that we have to do. Like we take in the dream, we take in the information, um, uh, or we, you take in the astral experience and then that astral experience or that dream is, um, it's deeply psychologically meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a mirror into our consciousness. Uh, some people who astral project, for example, um, think that everything that they're experiencing in their dream state is quote unquote real, or that oh I had a dream with you and you were doing X Y and Z. That means that I know that you're doing X Y and Z. Well, they can be completely wrong. It might just be a manifestation of their own psyche. Right. And like that's where the psychological work comes in to be able to start to like um, discern um, and figure out what is actually just a projection of our subconscious and what yes. is like a message from the universe that we are receiving. I'm uh, so glad you said that. I have a quick question. <laughs> so some of my friends and, and people that I know and clients, they tell me, they're like, hey, you were in my dream last night. And I'm like, really? And most of the time it's always all good stuff. I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm telling them some secret or like emphasizing something that they needed to hear or know. 
But I've wondered, I'm like, okay, is that a projection of their subconscious or am I literally astral traveling into that person's dream in that realm? Because I know that they will receive the message. Do you have any insight on that? Um, it could be either one. It could right. be of both. It could be some part of their psyche that you represent. Okay. Maybe, right. maybe in their subconscious, right? They have this profound spiritual longing right and yeah. maybe they've anchored that profound spiritual longing with you as a person because mm. the impressions that they've received right maybe they're maybe they're one of your clients or a friend that's received spiritual inspiration from you so in their psyche your image your impression represents their own spiritual urge right okay right one interpretation sure it, it makes sense that you Guys, we're in the astral plane together and that there is some exchange taking place. Yeah. Um, especially if you're both conscious. So I used to host dream yoga retreats where we would black out the windows of a house um, and take out all the clocks. And um, you're either sitting in meditation or you're sleeping. There's like nothing else. <laughs> no speaking, no looking in people's eyes, just the abbot or the person, the facilitator of the retreat who's guiding meditation and guiding dream yoga practices. So you meditate for a few hours and then you'd sleep for two hours and then you would meditate and then you would sleep. You never slept for like a full eight hours and you're just dreaming and hypnagogic and Delta, Delta waves. Everybody's on like Delta and gamma and like fluctuating the brain waves. Um, and people start to dream together and, and then people start to like test it by like giving messages in the dream state and then writing it down in the journal. Um, and so I've witnessed people uh, dream together in the app, like send messages in the dream state and bring those messages back to their brains and write it down. Mm. Right. Um, so for me, like with my experience, I know that it's very possible. Um, it sounds ridiculous to some people or to a rational mind. It doesn't make sense because the rational mind only deals with information from the five senses. Right. Um, dreams are not measurable according to the five senses. But, uh, you know, I think that maybe you were visiting that person in the astral plane. Maybe that person was projecting maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. And it happens to, I mean, this is like more than one person. So I was just, I was always curious. I mean, it might've been like five total within the last few months, right? So I was like, maybe I am <laughs> going out there. Or again, a little bit of both. The type of work that you're doing, I mean, you are um, sharing intimate space, you know, with healing, with readings, with the type of work that you're doing, um, even just human design. I mean, you're going deep into the person's psyche. You're going deep into yeah. their consciousness. And so that's a very intimate process. Um, and uh, why not? I mean, if you're sharing space in the physical plane, then and the physical plane is really like a crystallization of the inner dimensions right this is the most dense dimension the physical plane yeah it's a plane you can fly because gravity isn't there it's less dense they ask if you're awake in a dream and you pull your finger for example your finger will stretch right um it's a great way to know if you're dreaming um, you do like a reality check because sometimes a dream and the physical experience look very similar at first glance. But when you pay extra awareness, you can start to discern just like we need to discern what is conscious and what is unconscious. Um, 
we could start to discern what is physical and what is a dream state. Um, but you have to pay attention to do that. You have to be aware, you have to be awake. Um, and one of the ways to test is, yeah, you could put your finger or you could take a little, a little hop. And if you come down, you're in the physical plane. Mm -hmm. If you're floating, now you know that you're in the dream state and your physical body is sleeping in bed. Um, mm -hmm. But that's really good. I'm always floating in my dreams. I'm my feet are never on the ground. <laughs> you feel grounded. I mean, I, I do feel grounded now, but like, or or I'm in this. You know, my last dream is I was on a I was on a, in a ship and it wasn't even touching the water. It was flying over the ocean. Wow. And I'm like, how come I'm not like getting to the surface? <laughs> Interesting. What do you think? Random that, thought. What do you think it means? Um, that particular one. Um. You know, I, I I don't know. I almost forgot I had that one recently. Mm -hmm. And and the the interesting thing is, I was it was almost like I was checking on people when I was in that little craft, mm -hmm. like I was driving it to go check on people. Um, and I love I'm a water person too, so that was interesting that I didn't I didn't actually land on the water. I didn't you know come in contact with the water. But I also wanted to ask you a question. Let me know if you have a thought on that. But I also wanted to ask you, do you have an awareness of other versions of you? Since we're already down this rabbit hole, why not go down a little further? Do you have any other um, like awareness of other versions of you in parallel lives or other planes that you are aware of? In well, um, huh. that's an interesting question you know um i have some awareness of the inner dimensions based on the meditation dream yoga all of the different type of practices that i've done most of my life so um so yet yeah, so the simple answer is yes in that sense i would explain my experience of life as multi-dimensional and this physical plane is one aspect of that uh, i would not I, I would not, the way that I define my life uh, is not just through what I've experienced through my five senses, um, right? Um, profound ex experiences in meditation, in meditative states, experiences in ceremonies, plant medicine, or ceremonies without any exogenous, psychedelic um, dream states, you know, interdimensional travel. So um, consciousness is omnipresent and we live in a multi-dimensional universe and time is an eternal now and therefore if when we awaken consciousness and consciousness is connected then there's no like it's not we're not just life is not just physical right to me the physical plane is an expression like the end expression of a multi-dimensional life that's taking place Mm-hmm. So that's one <laughs> that's one answer. Um yeah, I don't know if that answers your question directly. Like, are you also like you could also be talking about like in Tibet, for example, um, some lamas reincarnate into multiple physical bodies. So people think in Buddhism that um it's like uh like a person goes from like like human to human existence. Mm their philosophy and I'm not saying it's real or not real but there are stories of like Tibetan lamas or holy teachers who like might reincarnate in like three or four or five different individuals to do oh I see okay world and uh 
Um, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, love Tibetan stories. They, they're great. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't really, um, yeah, it's an abstraction. Mm-hmm. Abstract. So maybe that's here's it. a more specific question. Do you have any memories uh, of any future or past lives? If you believe in reincarnation? I do. Yeah. I have experienced, I have experienced and um, I've experienced the remembrance of um, um, human forms that I've like incorporated in the, in the past. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had some, you know, inspiring visions of the future and uh, past and present, I'm sorry, past and future are constructs of our imagination. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if you ask me if those experiences are real and my response is that past and future are not real, then I can tell you that I've had experiences of past lives but life is also an eternal now. So there's this paradox. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the experience of being in the awakened state is the experience of the universal paradox. So I try not to take it too seriously. There was a time when I was young and I was doing all sorts of esoteric practices, like 18, 19 years old, meditating four hours a day. Um, part wow. Of a, yeah. Um, doing all sorts of breathing techniques, mantras, uh, I was a part of a of a Gnostic lineage. Um, there's temple work with degrees and rituals and practices and dream yoga. And we had retreats and we would meditate. I was so into it. I mean, I'm still so into it uh, in a different form, but like it was, um, it was like my passion. And so I would have visions and experiences um, all the time because I was like, probably just like triggering all sorts of endogenous dimethyltryptamine. Um, through all of the practices that we were doing. So I was just like, man, I would write in my dream journals, write in my meditation journals, and write and write and write and write and write and have visions and remembrances of past lives. Um, and at a certain point, I I came across a remembrance of a past life that I was like, whoa, like it really shocked me. And, and, um, and it had like profound meaning and uh, it, it kind of screwed me up. I kind mm. of obsessed with it. I it started to influence the way that I saw myself. It influenced my identity, and um, uh, you know, it it create it was like a roadblock for me spiritually. Sure. Be- I think identity is a roadblock spiritually. Yep. I think the true nature of consciousness is beyond identity. And beyond um, the individual, um, consciousness is far beyond our sense of the individual. And it's the sense of the individual that traps us in past and future. Right. Sense of self, which becomes an ego state, even if it's a spiritual self. And there's a lot of that going on. There has been for a long time, but now we see it all the time. People are very proud of their spirituality and very proud of their spiritual identity and very proud of their past lives and wear it like it's a badge of honor 
And I think that's fine if that's the way people want to relate with each other. But for me, I see it as another useless identity. Mm -hmm. Consciousness in the need for um, validation, the Mm -hmm. need for what's real, what isn't, the need for telling people something deeper. (laughs) That's That's like spiritual pride. It's a spiritual ego or sense or spiritual egos. Which yeah. is a trap. Yes, a, absolutely. Remember my past lives, but at the same time, I don't believe in the past. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I use that language past, future, because people relate to that. I typically just say maybe parallel, but you said something I want to unpack because this comes up often for people who are expanding their consciousness, whether they consider themselves spiritual or not. What how do you define real? Because people are always having this conversation as, okay, I'm real here in the 3D, but my dream wasn't real. The, you know, the dream was real, but I'm not real. I'm in a simulation. Like people can have. They put you on hold for like five seconds. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Reality. What is real? There's a Tibetan philosophy called, um, called, uh, Madhamika, which means a middle way. Uh, it's it it talks about the middle way is the um the way to view reality and yeah. to figure out what is real. And so there's two truths in the middle way, and the idea is that you walk a philosophical path that is in the middle of the two truths. The first truth is the ultimate truth um the second truth is the conventional or relative truth okay um the relative truth is what we would call karma that all things that we experience are related and interrelated with everything else that there is nothing in this universe there is no phenomena that we can perceive that is not inherently interdependent upon every other phenomena in the universe um, that's karma. Everything affects everything else. Okay. It's action. We in the West think that karma is like, you, it's like a moral thing. You do something. It has a different connotation to it. Yeah. It's, it is a moral thing in the West. Uh-huh. But I'm glad. Thank you for providing that. It's fine. Yeah. Like I'm not, I mean, we could, we could talk about that later, but like karma means action. It's, okay. That makes sense to me. That resonates a lot deeper than the moral version of it. Honestly. Yeah. That's a different, that's like a whole different conversation. Yeah. But when it comes to the two truths, if we think about like, um, you know, like we all breathe the same air. We, everything is connected um, um, in the whole universe. The first truth, the ultimate truth is that if you take any given phenomena that you can perceive and you break it down to its core, it has no inherent eternal reality. It is at its core, its substance is empty. Not mm. nothing, not nothing, but it's it's empty. Similar to space, um, but like a more profound nothingness or emptiness. Um, so what is what is real uh, is definition. And what is real is what we perceive. Um a chair is really a chair, right? This chair is real. 
I'm sitting on it. It's a function. But mm-hmm. chair is a function of human use and human language. Right. This chair came from, there's leather that came from one part of the world. There's thread that came from another part of the world. There's workers, factory workers, designers, distributors, uh, cargo ships, retail stores, online websites, marketing, um, finance, uh, uh, an interior designer. All of these people, all of these ingredients are necessary to make this chair a chair. But this chair won't always be a chair. Someday this chair will be in a landfill or will be burned or something will happen to this chair where all of those parts and all of those causes and conditions that came together to make it a chair will someday come apart. This chair will not always be a chair. It will be scraps and it will turn to dust like everything else that we can experience in the physical plane. So if the chair was really real, wouldn't it always be a chair? Have hmm. <laughs> always been a chair. Right. That's not the case. There's no phenomena that you can point to. There's no individual that you can point to. There's no person you can point to. There's no philosophy you can point to that will have inherent eternal reality. Right. Because we will always be a part of the process. Pardon? Sorry. I said um, alchemy will always be a part of the process, right? Like turning something into something else. Alchemy is part of it. Alchemy is when we intentionally turn one thing into another thing. Right. Um, But really, it's just that everything is changing constantly. There's nothing that's not changing. Right. It only seems to be a certain way for a certain amount of time. Uh, But everything is coming apart. Everything that's put together comes apart. Right. That's the old, uh, back to alchemy, like that's the idea of solve et coagula, Mm -hmm. which means to dissolve and coagulate which is like the cycle of the universe. It's the wheel of the universe. Um, so like this chair is real by definition because I can use it, I could point to it, I could define it, but um, it has no eternal reality. No no phenomena does. Mm-hmm. Everything that comes together is pulled apart. Mm-hmm. So what about the soul? Is the soul real? <laughs> it's a great question. I think I just blew my own mind with that one. <laughs> yeah, I actually wanted to talk about this today. I'm really glad that you asked because I was... Oh, maybe I picked up on it from you. I chose the name Sacred Soul and how it's related to your podcast. And I was just sort of like listening to some of the other podcasts and looking at it. I was like, we should probably talk about the soul. The soul, I would define the soul um, in a few different ways. The first way I would describe it is the soul is the vehicle or a series of vehicles for the con- for consciousness. Um, the physical body should be part of the soul. And if you treat your physical body as a temple, then your physical body is the most dense part of your soul because it's physical, it's dense. I can't just push right through it. But this body, what does it do? It carries consciousness through space from a point of, from like a point of perspective. Now, consciousness transcends this body. And I've had experiences in consciousness, right? In the state, my state of consciousness that has transcended my five senses and has transcended 
this body. It's what is called in the East, samadhi, or supraconscious states, where we lose a sense of identity and we have the experience of like God consciousness, not mm -hmm. like we have the experience of God consciousness or divine consciousness or universal consciousness, egoless consciousness, yeah. collective consciousness. There's many different ways you can describe it, um, but people all over the world have experienced it and it's inspired art, it's inspired poetry, it's inspired religion. Um, so uh, the soul, as I would describe it, starts with the physical body and then you have a, a vital body, which is like the fourth dimensional, it's the chi. It's the energy that emanates from the body, but the body also emanates from it. Um, it's the aura. And uh, it's like tangible. I mean, yeah. science is starting to measure it. And then uh, that's a little bit more subtle than the physical body. So the, our vital body is a vehicle of the soul or is part of the soul. The astral body is less dense than the vital body. Mm -hmm. Astral body is related with our emotions. Our emotional state is a crystallization of astral light that we experience here while we're in our day-to-day. -day. Um, the astral body is what we experience when we're dreaming, right? And then we have a mental body and a causal body. These uh, bodies carry consciousness through subtle dimensions. Um, and they also are um, not just like mystical dimensions, they express through our psyches. The mental body is related with our mind, our ability to rationalize, our ability to think, um, our ability to speak. The astral body is related with emotions. Causal body is related with choice and will. Mm. Um, yeah, and so um, the psyche exists uh, or vibrates in different dimensions of nature, right? I look at nature as like this onion, this layered thing where the physical body, the physical plane and the physical body are just dense expressions of consciousness. Right. So soul, the way that I see it, are the vehicles for consciousness. Now is consciousness soul? Well, if you have a soul and I have a soul, that is going to like, it infers some level of separate identity. Right, mm. so and I have mine. Um, but those vehicles also um, are like they are vehicles for consciousness. But consciousness mm -hmm. transcend individuality. Consciousness yeah. transcends individuality. Like in the highest levels of consciousness, there's no human ego. There's no mine and yours. Yeah, in my experience. Yeah, this is how I'm interpreting it. Let me make sure I'm, I'm keeping up here. So I'm when we're talking about your soul and my soul, I kind of see us as branches on a tree. And we're still attached to like the tree or maybe we're leaves on the tree and we're attached to the branch, which is attached to the trunk, which is attached to the, you know, goes into the ground and it has roots. Like, so I'm kind of, my linear mind is trying to make sense of like, okay, there's a source consciousness and we might appear to be separate. We might appear to be two different branches across the way where we could look at each other. You're over there on that branch. I'm over here on this branch, but we're, we, we meet somewhere. We unify somewhere to get, you know, back to the trunk. <laughs> the symbol of the tree of life. Do you know this symbol? 
the the Kabbalistic tree of life. Yes. Also known as the Otzim in Hebrew. Um, it uh, it's I mean it's exactly what you're describing, and this symbol has been used for, um, gosh, at least a thousand years. Um, some would say a lot longer, depending on what history and who you're talking to. But uh, yeah, right. So the five bodies of the soul that I was talking about. So there's ten sephiroth. There's ten spheres. Yeah, dimensions on the tree of life. The five bodies are the five lower dimensions: causal body, mental body, astral body, vital body, physical bodies at the very bottom, where all of the light of the universe crystallizes. Mm-hmm. Um, above that are five sephiroth that are beyond egoic identity beyond mine and yours um so i guess in a very simple way without getting too abstract in kabbalistic philosophy which i'm steeped in and i love the top five are like parts of the spirit and the lower five are the parts of the soul okay the idea is that this spiritual intelligence should embody the five bodies of the soul and it's not embodying if the spiritual intelligence that's beyond ego does not embody to some degree or have connection with the five bodies or with the soul, then all you have left over is ego. It's right. either consciousness, divine consciousness, or ego states. Okay. So both, which most of us have a mixture. I have a mixture. Right. Egos, right? Um, so psychologically speaking, to make things simple, um, the psyche has like three main parts we can talk about. Consciousness, which is related to the soul. Mm-hmm. Ego, which means self or I. And I would say from my observation, there's most people have around 10,000 egos. Mm-hmm. 10,000 selves that all think that they are the master of the psyche. Mm-hmm. I agree with that to an extent, yeah. In between the consciousness and the ego is the personality. And the personality is the mask. Personae means mask. An ego can wear a mask. Consciousness can wear a mask. Either way to express through the human being, you have to have some personality, some mask. Otherwise, you just become a vegetable. There's no... The only time I don't have personality is when I'm meditating or when I'm sleeping. The rest of the time, there's a personality present. And some mixture or battle of ego and consciousness. Um, To fortify the soul, I think that we have to liberate consciousness from the ego and put the ego back in its place or put the egos back in their place. And sometimes, um, sometimes there are some egos that like don't serve us at all. Right. Those are the egos that we have to like, maybe, I don't know if we could say eliminate or <laughs> mm-hmm. really um, do the deep shadow work on mm-hmm. psychic or psychological surgery. And I that takes work. That takes real work. I mean, not just talk therapy, which is fine, but I think some people abuse talk therapy and sure. those with their therapists who are just cashing in on a client. That they Business. There's longer. I mean, if... <laughs> you know, we should, we should go to talk therapy. There should, you should have like a, like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And when I graduate, I'm good. And I'm going to actually go do real work. Um, I'm not saying that talk therapy isn't real work, but um, I think it's part of the shadow work that we should be doing. 
You know, I think ayahuasca plant ceremonies, if it calls to you as part of that shadow work. I think real dream yoga, where you're really going into the meaning of your dreams and the meaning of your desires and your frustrated desires and your habits and the things that trap you in the hypnosis of being a stimulus response mechanism. That is going through life, just reacting to whatever impressions come in through your five senses. That's what mm-hmm. the puts the consciousness to sleep. Because the ego desires what it desires, and every ego has a different desire. And each of those desires is trying to feed itself, whether it's really actually related with actual food, the sensation of eating, or the sensation of getting recognized by someone, some some pride or vanity type ego, or egos related with anger and getting even and vengeance and reacting, or egos related with whatever it may be, greed, whatever. Um it puts the consciousness to sleep. Our sense of self and believing that our sense of self is real puts consciousness to sleep. Mm. And most of us are sleeping most of the time. Mm-hmm. Speaking, people are awake and going about their day, but most people just react. Most people don't choose the state of consciousness that they're in. This is where autoimmune disorders come from and it's where anxiety disorders come from. It's where nervous system issues come from because people are locked in a state of consciousness. And that state has actual measurable physiological hormonal matrixes. That's why people go to the doctor. But everybody's trying to fix everything through a pill because they just want to feel better. But when you go past just feeling better, see what's at the root of your suffering. Mm -hmm. At the root of our suffering is desire, actually. Yes. Yeah. It's wanting. So what happens when you remove the desire? Well, when you don't de- desire, you're in the present moment. You're not you're not running from the past towards the future anymore. Mm. You're in the eternal, infinite moment, in the abundant moment, connected to all other moments. That's the creative state. Without that, we're just reproducing. Without that, we're just reinventing. There's no original thought without consciousness being present in the moment. You could look original, your ego can dress it up, just like you can look spiritual and you could say all the right words and do all the right things, but your consciousness is actually still just hypnotized by your ego or egos. Yeah. Those are like a, are like a bunch of, um, like a bunch of people living in a house, um, like squatters. Yeah. Okay. When someone rings on the doorbell and asks for like, who's the landlord? Who's the master of the house? Every any random ego could just come and go. Oh, I am. This is right. my. This is my place. Right. I'm really enjoying that analogy. I don't know why I'm getting enjoyment out of this because it makes so much sense. Like maybe I'm visualizing every single squatter doing that. Yeah. It's having a house in disarray where everybody thinks sure. that they're. Um. I mean, I've been a part of companies where everybody thinks they're in charge. It's, they call like too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Ego states. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I do um, IFS therapy in my business. So some traditional therapists use it. Some don't. Do you have, have you heard of Richard uh, Swaltz? Mm, sounds familiar. But, okay. Uh, yeah. So he, he created, or I don't know if he downloaded or, or whatever. Um, he brought the internal family systems model into, you know, therapy 
you know, in, in recent, in the last, what, recent 20 years. Anyway, I've started to, to use it in my practice as well for people. And it's that concept of we have, we're multiple or we, there's the authentic self, which is the soul. And then there are all these different personalities of the mind that are on their own agenda. And I tell people all the time, it's like having a company um, and everyone is kind of just doing their, their job the way they want. And they think they're meaning well, but sometimes they're not sometimes like they're actually losing the sale or they're not, they're not getting the sale in the most efficient way, or they're not communicating with other people in the office and, and the, the service or the product is the soul or the mission or the purpose or whatever. And so I use that analogy, but IFS, uh, it, it, makes this what you're saying very practical that there is a self that's not really you know the the behavior you know the anger the angry person that has road rage or it's not the person that is doing all the other things this the soul is kind of sometimes those personalities can put the soul to sleep like you're saying or have it in a bind to where the soul can express bottle the soul up yeah yeah. The consciousness, free, con- awakened consciousness is not mechanical. Uh, if someone is in a conscious state, an integrated conscious state, and you come up to them and say, fuck you, motherfucker, and you blah, 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 in their face, you could yell at them, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. That person's not going to react from an ego state. Right. They're not going to react like some norm- normal person on the street would react and flip out and have that ego correction because there's no one there to offend. Right. Does the divine get offended by that? No, the divine no. doesn't get offended by that. Maybe in like old religious uh, fairy tales, you know, with angry, you know, whatever. And maybe you think that's really whatever. I'm not trying to insult anybody. That's a different story. You go up to someone who's in a, in their consciousness. They don't react. Their egos don't react the same way. Because their ego doesn't like, or they don't feel threatened. They just see the situation for what it is. The person is an, experiencing an emotion, but it, they don't, they're not taking it personal. It's not an attack on them. They don't feel threatened. Is is that kind of what you're saying too? That's right. I would say when we talk about self or selves, there's like different layers. There's different like layers. The lowest layer is the 10,000 egos, mm-hmm. right? Each one having its own desire. The ego that wants to make money, the ego that wants to um, get even, the ego that wants to run and hide, pride and shame, all of these thousands of little matrices of lower selves, right? And then you have the quote unquote higher self, which in the East they call Atman. The higher self is the inner being. It's what we perceive as our highest ideal. And it is uh, like an expression of divine intelligence. Beyond that self is the non-self, which is difficult to put in words, it has to really be experienced in higher states of consciousness to understand the state of non-self, which is mm. divine self. The divine self, there is no identity. Yeah. We put identity on the divine self when we call it God and we name it and we come up with symbols for it and all sorts of things. And that's fine as long as you know that that's what we're doing. Most people take the name and the personification, they take it literally. And now they're actually just placing a personality and a human ego on the divine, which I mean, spiritually speaking, I think is a great folly. Mm-hmm. So three, three selves, lower selves, egos, higher self, inner being, and then non-self, which is beyond. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not extract abstracting too much. You know, I could just like wax philosophical and keep going on. So keep me objective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a beautiful flow there. I just want to go back to something else because my mind is like, wait, we didn't complete this thought. You were going to say something. You were like, I am. You said you're a soul and I'm a soul. Or, or if we say Vanessa has a soul and Reed has a soul, then we're still in separation. Can you, did you? Temple, you're in Sacramento and I'm in Long Beach. Your physical body is in Sacramento. My physical body is in Long Beach. And I consider the, the physical body as the densest expression of the soul. Therefore, mm -hmm. in conventional reality, where all phenomena are interdependent, like we are connected, we are related, we are communicating. Right. There is separateness. There is perceivable, measurable. Perceived. I'm in space. Separateness. Our physical yeah. bodies are separate. I, there's, there's this one. Right. And there's that one, right? Yeah. Um, but deep down, it's like we know we're one consciousness. Like I woke up this morning because you were on my schedule and I was like, oh, great. I'm going to have this great conversation with Reed. But the feeling was I'm going to have this beautiful conversation <laughs> with myself on the on the podcast. It's operating from a higher state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Consciousness perceive what we consider reality as illusion separateness as illusion mine and yours as illusion ego states as illusion time and space as illusions past and future as illusions because in higher states of consciousness it's all now time it's it's an eternal now yeah there's one there's this there's this sense and experience of at one moment with the entire universe. That's why Swami Vivekananda, for example, said that he can reach out and touch the moon with his finger because all phenomena are inherently interdependent. So in higher states of consciousness, there's no you and I. Right. It's all, right? It's all, I mean, I hate to use the term spirit, but sometimes like I have no other, no other words that, you know, that, uh, that approach those types of experiences. Um, because words are generally coming from the rational mind and that mm -hmm. type of the rational mind. Oneness, at one mint, atonement, real connection, experiencing the entire universe in a single moment is beyond an ego state. Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that this. I think that um I think it's important for people to like aspire to experience higher states of consciousness beyond just the five senses it's necessary i think so i think i think that society would look very different if more people aspired to experience higher states of consciousness yeah i love that you said that i i wanted to ask you you know i i have this and this is part of the maya this is part of the illusion i have this uh concept of like a new earth that or just things basically shifting like um you know, the collective will not operate in the same way going forward, I think, because I think there's just some big shifts happening. Like, what else, what do you think? Like, what needs to also shift for more of us to be in this more awakened state or for us to move into any kind of concept of a different earth or a new earth? Um, what What has to shift for us to be able to establish a new earth, like, uh, like, um, what, like a society that is like on a higher vibrational level. Yep. 
um, well, the society is a sum total of its parts and the parts mm -hmm. are the humans. And humans, what we need to do is we need to awaken. The individuals need to awaken. And to do that, we have to heal because we have a lot to heal from. Because right now, society is very ill. Mm -hmm. I mean, just not, there's a dark side and a light side, but let's talk a little bit about the dark side. A lot of people call this the Kali Yuga. Have you heard that term yep. before? Mm -hmm. The Kali Yuga, the Treta Yuga, the Dvagpar Yuga, and the Satya Yuga. Satya Yuga is like the golden age. Kali Yuga is the dark age. Um, well, because for me, time is an eternal now, I believe that all of those ages are happening in an eternal moment. And if you look, for example, if you go to Skid Row in LA, that's Kali Yuga. That is a dark age. There's no way that you can, there's no other term for it. Yeah. But then I go to other places on the planet in time and space, and I see the way uh, like other small groups of people are living in different areas. And I've seen Satya Yugas. I've seen people living in like utopian ideal situations where people are awakening, they're doing the work, they're communal, things are shared, et cetera, et cetera, right? So um, what humanity needs is to be inspired to wake up from the hypnotic spell of our painful past. Mm. And to do that, we have to do some work on ourselves. And we have to share the keys and we have to share the ancient ways with people who have forgotten. Everybody knows it's just that we have forgotten. The reason why we know is because we came from it. It's built in, you know, inner heat, inner fire, which is the manifestation of heat, even in like cold, cold temperatures, which sounds like a miracle, like, but it's there's science behind it. Mm. Um, it is, uh, 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 it's something that we all come equipped with. Awakened consciousness is something that we all come equipped with. Being free from desires and ego states, these are natural states that we've forgotten. So like, um, how do you light, can't, when you have a lot of candles, how do you light candles? You take the lit candles and you light the other candles. So mm -hmm. what we're here to do is to just remind people that there is, you have the ability to free yourself from your suffering. You have the ability to experience higher states of consciousness, but you have to want it and you have to do it. You have to do the work, right? That's why I have this sanctuary, Human Eon in Long Beach, is because I want to give to my community. I was born and raised in Long Beach, California, and I want to give my community the sanctuary to be able to come to a place and practice the basic elements of healing, natural healing, wellness, and most importantly, elevation of consciousness. Mm can do the work on themselves nobody can awaken someone else you could shock someone and you shock them they may be awake for a moment but they're going to go right back to sleep you yeah. can put some ice bath and they're going to experience some like level of awakened state right for a moment mm -hmm. but without doing the work it, we fall right back into the hypnotic spell and so that's why the work that you're doing is so important your podcast your mission the work you do is because you're constantly reminding people but that's all we can do is patiently remind people and patiently remind ourselves really first. Mm. You know, I think that like people claiming who they were in past lives and, you know, elaborate sort of like, I don't know, ornamental spiritual philosophies. They're great. I love it all. But I think that they're things of the past. What mm. we need to do now to raise our frequency um, is like heal from the hypnotic spell of the ego. 
do yeah. the shadow work, figure out what makes us suffer, what egos make us suffer, right? our own egos that make us suffer, our own desires that trap our psyche in stimulus response mechanisms. Yeah. We ourselves from it by doing the work and the work doesn't look the same for everybody. Everybody is in, everybody needs different kinds of medicine. Nobody needs like people are like, Oh, you just think that ice baths will fix everything. Read Wasser Wim Hof method level two instructor. It's all about the ice bath. That's all you got. I'm like, Nope, that's just an entryway. That's just one domino buddy. One element that is a really nice entryway with a very wide entrance. Breath work is another very, anyone can do it. And it's an entryway into doing the actual work on yourself. I don't, I'm not a fitness guy. I don't promote fitness. I think it's great. Um, I'm more about movement. The physical body should be a vessel that moves freely through space so that the consciousness can operate it freely. Yeah. And for me, that's health, you know, but that's an awakened state. That's using the physical body as if it were the soul. That's the point of movement for me. Stillness, which people call meditation. When you know, when you can still the body, you can still the mind. The mind will follow the body. And when the mind is stilled, consciousness becomes receptive and we're able to receive original thoughts, visions, uh, insights into nature, into ourselves. We remember things. The mind is just tickering, 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 tickering. You can invent all all sorts of things with with a mind that's like a ticker tape. You can stuff it with all sorts of information and all sorts of experience of all of the things that you've done and you can reinvent all sorts of cool shit. And that's how most people make money. But original thought is different. Original thought is something that you receive when the mind is silent. Mm. Um, But anyways, to raise raise the frequency of humanity, we first have to raise the frequency of ourselves and do our best to lead by example without trying to prove anything at all yeah. and just remind people. And the be- I think the best way to remind people is through, uh, well, maybe my favorite way is outside of like, you know, putting people in ice baths and doing workshops is um, asking soft questions, which lead people back to themselves. Mm. Have to lead people back to the ability to observe themselves. Objective. Yes. People don't see themselves as they are. Right. Everyone has all sorts of misconceptions of who they are based on hypnotic ego states, including mm-hmm. myself. But when we remember, when we remind each other in the moment to be in the moment and to witness the moment and to observe what's happening in the psyche and in the external world, to really relish, to really be present in the moment. That's like, I think one of the best reminders. And when we're in the moment, you're going to see if you're suffering or not. You're either going to be more in your suffering or more in your pleasure or more in your spirit. Whatever you are, that's what you're going to witness. That's what you're going to And then that's what you either need to change or embellish to raise your frequency. Right. I I try to use the term. I I use terms because I have a bit of wellness business, right? I try to use terms that can apply to everyone. Um, So I talk about elevation of consciousness and wellness. But really what I'm trying to do is awaken consciousness. I'm mm-hmm. trying, trying to raise my frequency and the frequency of those around me. That's my whole purpose. Because why not live in a better world while we're here? Yeah. Why not live in a world that's more conducive to transcending suffering, transcending ego, 
yeah. transcending um, egoic desire. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. You, you know, and I forgot to ask you a question that I typically ask my guests, and it's it's a philosophical question. So you're probably the perfect person to ask. Um, who are you, and and who are you not? Um, I'm actually an alien from the Andromeda galaxy, and I'm okay. here. I'm joking. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I thought you just didn't want to identify with anything. <laughs> oh, bullshit. Um, who am I? Uh, simply put, um, I identify as a spiritual being. I identify as a consciousness, um, wrapped in, uh, a psyche, wrapped mm -hmm. in a physical body, um, that is here on earth ultimately to know its own nature. And mm -hmm. that is not an individual nature, but it's like the ancient Gnostic axiom, know thyself and you'll know the universe. So ultimately that's who I am on a, you know, like on a spiritual philosophical level. I love it. I love it. I love so, it. Who, who am I? And then what was the other one? And, and who are you not? The, I mean, I am not the ego that thinks it's real. Mm, that's powerful. Ego's not real. That is a great pattern interrupt. Steal the fire back from the devil. <laughs> yeah. My own devil. I'm referring to the ego state. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I follow. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe in a actual pitchfork entity um, or whatever comic book ideas or whatever. I believe that that's all psychology. And those elements are living in my subconscious. And I'm here. I'm here to put them back in their place. Um, and return all the parts of my psyche to its divine nature through integration. So I am not the ego that thinks it, I am not who the ego thinks he is. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. I typically say, I mean, it changes from time to time because I'm, I'm always shape-shifting, I think, but, um, I always say I am an alchemist, a multidimensional alchemist. Mm -hmm. And I always say, I am not who I was yesterday. Mm, beautiful yeah. yeah i mean and i i often like most of my paradigm has been influenced like the way that i view philosophical paradigm the way that i view the universe is mostly influenced from western hermetic tradition and tibetan buddhism and i've studied all sorts of other traditions but i'm like steeped in those just because that's how i lived my life in my 20s mm -hmm. um and uh in um Oh gosh, what was I going to say? I'm going to go off on another abstraction. So in Buddhism, there's no soul because they they don't have a word for it because the word soul often in the West, maybe not with you or I, but often in the West, the idea of a soul is that it is eternal and unchanging, right? A lot of people in Western religion believe that we are endowed with this eternal identity that will live in this life. We have one life and then you like, Afterwards, when you die, that soul is judged and goes to like downstairs or upstairs and it lives there forever. Well, the Buddhists, the Tibetan Buddhists especially, were very wise, are very wise. And they're like, well, we haven't perceived that. We haven't experienced that. And as far as we can observe, nothing is eternal and nothing is forever. No identity is forever. Everything that comes together comes apart. Therefore, consciousness is like a stream. 
So they mm -hmm. call what we're discussing as soul, they call mindstream. And mindstream breaks off of like rivers and then returns back to rivers, flows into oceans, which flows back into other rivers, which flows into other streams. Mm. So this, this saying, you can't step in the same river twice, right? Yeah. So that's in the moment. It's to remind us to be in the moment that that river that you're experiencing in that moment is only there for that moment because that water's flowing. It's a completely different river the next day. Relatively speaking, it may be in the same place, right? You might have the same fishing hole you can go to because the rocks haven't moved or whatever. We haven't experienced an ice age in the last 18,000 years, but, or 13,000 years, but um, um, the nature of the soul and nature of consciousness, the way that I understand it is that it's always changing. Yeah. It's always flowing. And the idea of identity, it works relatively so we can communicate, but it's ultimately an illusion. Right. So interesting. Oh my gosh. We can go on and on for, for another hour if we wanted to. I'm not to. getting too abstract. <laughs> no, not for me. And this will resonate. The right people will click on this particular episode. I'm sure it always happens. Um, I want to talk about your sanctuary. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. You want me to show you it? You sure. Show you? All right, show Is that you. possible right now? Cool. I'm on a laptop. I could just pick it up and ground a little awesome. bit. Awesome. So I'm in the meditation room, which I often work in when nobody's using the facility. I'll come down here. So this is where I teach like breath work, meditation. You've been Beautiful. here before, right? Um, yeah. Where we do, I do, I do lectures in this room. Those are like cubbies. So people could put their shoes and things, right? You can either enter. In. So my sanctuary. You moved, you moved to that big comfy oh. couch that was there. <laughs> I did. Yeah. The, the couch wasn't suitable. So it's like open, right? So we have space. It's beautiful. And then if we come out here, we have a tea room. Meditation room, tea room, and right. it's covered. Nice. It's outdoors, but it's a covered tea room. That's like a, that's about a 42 degree ice bath. Mm -hmm. And then you add, I think I saw in your photos or videos, you add ice in there or is it already? Sometimes. It's, it's at 42 like year round because I have a freezer on it. Okay. Oh, okay. That's my workshops. I'll throw some extra ice in, um, just mainly kind of for fun. Right. <laughs> Get it a little colder. And I have a steam sauna, barrel sauna, and a new addition. I hope I don't lose internet. I have an infrared sauna. Very cool. So movement space, infrared, steam sauna, garden space, tea lounge, ice pool, hot tub, meditation room. Um, the idea is it's like a stay spa but more practical. It's more about practicing ancient techniques on a daily basis or a weekly basis, microdosing those techniques to find like a real flow state, like a real freedom mm -hmm. to choose the state of consciousness that you want to reside in. Yeah. Make sense? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So people could um, get a membership here and come every day or they could do drop-in, there's drop-in rates. And then we have oh. workshops and classes and events and different people coming in doing plant work ceremonies, doing yoga things. And I'm gonna teach a dream yoga series pretty soon. Um. Uh, I teach all the breath work and movement. We do capoeira in my movement space. Uh, my capoeira master comes and teaches classes here. I teach capoeira classes. So it's just, it's that space, you know, it's-, it's Oh, a wonderful. I can't wait to visit you again yeah. soon. Ooh, anytime. <laughs> Would love to have you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so how can people find you or how can they sign up for the sanctuary? Sanctuary on Instagram and online is human eon, H-U-M-A-N, human, A-E-O-N, Aeon. Um, and so if you go on Instagram, human Aeon, or if you go to humanaeon.com, um, all the information is there. Um, you could go to my Instagram, Reed Wasser, first name, last name, and uh, there'll be some little links also to my workshops and to this space. Amazing. Ah, oh, thank you, Reed. This has been so good and juicy. And before we go, do you have any last words, whether it's a quote or suggestion or something that people can take with them into their week? I mean, I believe that we're here together as humans to remind each other um, that we don't have to suffer all the time and that we can actually find some level of freedom and relief from what makes us suffer in life. Everybody has some level of suffering. Um, everybody experiences some pain, um, whether whether it's a hangnail or, you know, or death of a loved one, mm -hmm. um, or much worse, like what's happening in Palestine or sure. uh, Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, or all of these, or, or Skid Row. Um, but there are ways we can help ourselves and help others um, to relieve ourselves from our suffering. I think our first responsibility is to um, really like uh, find out what causes uh, ourselves to suffer yeah. and then remind each other that we can, we can feel better, that we can elevate, that we can raise our frequency. Yes. That's what you're doing. I mean, that's what I see you do. That's what I, that's what you and yep. I have. I'm in the trenches. Each other, like whenever you and I like, you know, touch in every once in a while, like, Hey, what's up? What I, there's always this reminder of we're here to awaken. We're here to free yes. ourselves. And we're here to remind others. I I'm, I cannot awaken anyone. I will never awaken another person. It is impossible, but we can remind each other that they can awaken themselves. And yeah. Yeah. powerful stuff yeah yeah you and i we we have that again i mean we say you and i but you you know the one right we um but we 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 know that we're here to remind people and to to just be a resource right. and that's really powerful and that's that's what our role is and, and that's what other people can do for their friends and family as well it's beautiful that's right yeah amazing well thank you so much for your your time your energy your presence here so much Vanessa you um you do great things and so uh I'm always I'm always down to participate just let me know I'm looking awesome. forward to having you here at Human yeah Check it out soon. yeah yeah I'll let you know when I make it down that way in Southern California again great namaste stay namaskar thank you so much friend for investing your time energy and attention into yourself just receiving uh, the information and the conversation in this episode and i hope that it really does add value to your day your week your month and your year please do me a favor leave this uh, episode my podcast a five-star review if you really enjoyed it and also send this episode or any other episode to at least two friends that would really help me get the message out about this podcast and let people know about all the amazing conversations that are taking place here to help us expand our consciousness and build this new earth thank you again so much love to you see you soon 
take a breath with me on the count of three. One, two, three. And exhale. 